Communication pet peeves. Ooh, ooh. I got a couple. Dark topic. Dark topic. Dark topic. I got a couple. I got a couple. I think, Let's hear them. Okay. Okay. I'm sorry. I was trying to kind of put my, my thoughts in order here. I think that, well, first of all, when I'm having a conversation with someone, and this isn't even just in the professional world, this is just in life in general, I am very conscious of and hope that others are conscious of their filler sounds and words. You could give us a whole lesson on that as a speech pathologist, I know. I took that deep breath and I just feel as though, um, or like, which I use a lot, they can get to be too much. So that would be just first overall communication. You were going to say something. What were you going to add? No, I wasn't. I'm no? just listening intently. No? I'm giving you, I thought the first pet peeve was going to be my visual attention to you, Rose. So I just wanted to make sure that I did not break a tenant. You are such a good friend because that that's the next one, right? Is if you're in a room with someone or even like we are right now, virtually in the same place, looking at that person, giving them eye contact so that there's a connection there. I find it offensive when people are looking down and they're on their, their, you're on maybe a Zoom, they're on their phone, or you're on a phone with them doing a FaceTime and they're looking something up on their computers or doing something differently. I, I just, I think that's rude and it just makes me feel disconnected. I don't like it. I don't like it. But you're okay if people say, I'm working on something, I will be back to you in a second. You're okay if you say it, but you don't like it to be under the cuff. Exactly. Exactly. If you say someone just texted me, I'm, I'm going to let me read this text while we're talking. Oh, okay. Because I feel like if we were sitting together at a lunch and or at dinner or something and your phone, you had a, a call or a text, it wouldn't offend me if you said, oh, let me just check this. Okay, cool. Not a problem. Maybe there's something going on. But yeah, if you're trying to do it so low that no one sees the phone and you're not telling people what you're doing or if you're even in a meeting and during the meeting, there's a document you want to grab and send to someone, just say it. You know, I'm going to look for that document right now and send it to you while we're in this meeting. Cool. I'm fine. But yeah, don't try it on the sly. I think that's what it is. That Maybe that's what really offends me. You think somebody's trying to get one by you? Yeah. Yeah. I think that might be it. I really do. <laughs> I think that might be it. I don't know. I don't know. What about you? What are yours? I think it could be summed up with one sentence, just any type of communication that makes other people's day-to-day more challenging gets under my skin. So your lack of reply Mm. really bothers me. Every once in a while, I totally understand people miss an email, but there are certain people who, you know, and I hope I never become that person where you're really just kind of expected that you will not get a reply. Oh, yeah. And I I think that's uncomfortable because I'm emailing because I need something, right? So when I see an email, especially if it's from somebody that I'm not typically communicating with, that usually gets first priority because they obviously need something to move something on their desk from me and I don't want to hold that up. So I try to be thoughtful in that nature. So I, I like that back for myself or my team. And I really don't like it when people are rude in emails. Ooh. Especially if you're at our organization, I feel like that's an in-family situation. I 
drop the attitude. Unnecessary. Unnecessary. I saw your whole your whole physical being changed as you were talking about that. That is not necessary. No rudeness. Oh, I get it. Going back. I, I just makes it hard. I was just going to say, going back to the not replying thing, I just want to make one thing perfectly clear. When you said that when you don't reply, you were not specifically talking about me in that moment. I just want to make that clear to everyone. <laughs> I wasn't, but the minute you said that, sometimes you don't reply. It does take me longer. It's true. It's true. It's true. That can definitely I happen. told you once, you should put a little disclaimer at the bottom of your email. I work through my emails on a weekly basis. I apologize if there is a delay because you, but I always say this though, this, yes, you do take a while. Mm -hmm. And also you're very thoughtful in your replies. This is so true. a reply is coming. It's just that you you feel like you wanna give 100% attention to that reply. Whereas I'm probably just firing off a reply. So I would say I'm always gonna reply, but they might not be as thoughtful as yours and yours will probably be late. That is that is very kind of you. Yes, they do take me a little longer. I get stuck, Miller, in that like perfectionist-ism, horrible, want to make sure I have it. Do I have it right? Did I answer all the questions? Did I make sure? And and yes, it, it sends me down a spiral just like this sentence right now where I just am like, okay, maybe I need to put it over here for a minute and come back to it. So yes, yes, it's true. It's true, it's true. But the not replying is, I agree with you. It's one of the worst things. You don't even know if someone's received it. So even coming back with a reply that says, I got your email, I'm on it. You can expect something in the next X amount of time. And if you're not there in the next X amount of time, you can then say, it's taken me a little longer. Let me work on this for you or whatever that might be. So people know that it was received. That's, that's the important part. But I also like what you said about you know, we have to be conscious of the fact that people may be waiting on you to take a step forward. That's, yeah, ouch. That's important. That's very important. So these are our pet peeves, which really, honestly, nobody cares about. So I think that people <laughs> <laughs> should so really true. be helpful to the, to the uh, community that we're building. It's really about, I think, as a leader, one important thing is to be always evaluating the communication on your team and from yourself to your team because not everybody yes. likes communication in the same way so one of the things if it's and what are you communicating it is a is it a long process it is is it a project for next week or is it a quick question right so and then you think about from that the mode of communication to meet the need and i think we wanted to talk a little bit about the different modes and then how you might go about doing a communication inventory to see if there's a change that's needed or maybe your team has a different preference than you. And I think that's important to note as well. I love that. I love the inventory that we're gonna share. I think it's really, really helpful and it gives some structure to just approaching communication. I also think identifying communication styles, and there are some really popular like assessments that are out there to be able to do that. Um, I know we've used in our experience, um, the DISC, right? Everything DISC, which has been really helpful, how you, it creates a, a self-awareness about how you communicate, and then also gives you some clues about how others communicate and how to maybe match or flex your style on those things. But I think this inventory, the communication inventory is amazing because of the the structure it puts around just all communication style or 
all communications that you're having with multiple style. So I, I like this one a lot. I think it's really good. Okay. So there are four categories. Who communicates, the mode of communication, the objective of the communication, and the frequency of the communication. So for example, you may say that the vice president of customer service and excellence, Mm. as you are, Mm -hmm. communicates, and the mode of communication that you most frequently communicate is, I would say, all associate emails in your manager minutes. Yep, yep. And your objective is informal information. Yes, definitely. And your frequency is... Monthly. Uh, it's monthly, monthly on that one. Yeah. Monthly on, on sending out like a little manager minute. And I liked the description of the informal communication because it does not include anything about process or procedure or even an announcement of a, of upcoming change or change management activities. So yes, definitely informal. Little tidbits, little tips, little check-ins on how people are doing and the cadence or how frequently monthly. So um, let's give some examples of the mode of communication. So it may be oral, it may be written, it may be specific platforms. Um, For example, we use Microsoft Teams. It may be conference calls, monthly newsletter, weekly one-to-one. So the mode of communication can vary. And then as well as the objective of the communication. So some examples there would be informal, something more formal like process, something informational that somebody needs to carry out, something congratulatory or something celebratory or something inspirational. So a variety of different categories, and then you want to think about the objective of the communication and match it with the mode of communication that is going to get you the result that you're looking for. I think that's the the key versus just saying, well, I always send emails, so I'm going to send this in an email. Yeah. Well, what is it? it? Would it be better if we all jumped on a Teams call for 10 minutes so that we don't get 600 emails on the same topic? Put that at the top of my list for a pet peeve. <laughs> You know, so just like, (laughs) what is, again, what is going to make everyone's job and day easier? If that is one of your goals, then when you're putting out communication like that, you're thinking about it. I love that. And I think the action that you need someone to take when you're, when you're thinking about if this, if we're trying to make people's lives easier, right? Is there an action that needs to be taken because of this communication? And if so, spelling that out really, really, really clearly in the communication that this is the action that you need to take, or this is what we're hoping you will do so that that way it's, there's no unspoken expectation, right? You're putting it out that that's something that needs to happen one way or the other, whether it's adopting a policy, reviewing something, even just acknowledging that you've received the communication. So I love that, how, how we can communicate in a way that continues to be effective, efficient, and make our wonderful team's lives easier. I love that. And build the trust, right? So the back trust. to some of our earlier content and just how important trust is, if you're not communicating back to colleagues or your team members, you're slowly but surely eroding, eroding that trust. Yeah. 
and they're not going to want to come to you for the answer. So even if you're the content expert, if you're not meeting their need, they're going to find the answer somewhere else and it might not be the correct answer. And then they're going to take that forward. So I think it does really cultivate a lot of problems when individuals who are the content expert or responsible for the information aren't as communicative. Yeah. It it really does send people in different directions and and they're going to get the work done. So, so far our research rundown, I think we have a little something from the Harvard Business Review, which you love. You know it. Maybe they'll be a sponsor. Oh my gosh. That would be amazing. Oh, I want a hoodie. Business Review. Oh, I love it. Yes. (laughs) HBR. Share, share. So, um, so I'll get us started and then you can, you can start on the first one. So they, uh, Harvard Business Review put out four simple things that leaders can do to communicate more effectively and um, collaboratively with their teams. And number one was? Number one, Miller. Number one. If we're thinking about written communication, keeping it concise um, using possibly shorter words instead of, you know, really making it something lengthy that your team members have to read through and decipher using really concise, simple, shorter words when possible. There are times, you know, that you have to bring out the multi-syllable words. So, and tell me as a speech pathologist, the correct term for that. Multisyllabic. There you go. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I would say too, I don't know how you feel about this, but I think when people use a lot of inflated language sometimes, Mm -hmm. I feel like they're selling me a used car. It's like, I don't want the 87 Chevy. I really don't. Just what do you want? Yeah. And I'll tell you if I can accomplish it and how long it's going to take. I don't necessarily want a sales pitch. Yeah. I hear you. Get to the point. I hear you. Yep. Tell me what it is. Tell me the action you need me to take. Tell me what you need me to do. I think that's that's very wise. And I do do think sharing a little bit of context when needed oh, yeah. is important. The but, why, always. Yeah. But other than that, well, you know, if, if we've been in a meeting together and we've talked about it and you already understand the why, but now we're taking the steps forward, I don't think I have to include all of that again. But I do think keeping it concise, especially again, those shorter words when using written format, be very helpful for someone to move quickly and to be able to understand what's being asked of them. So I love that. You had number two, because you like these. Yeah, number two is, I'm a fan favorite of using metaphors and analogies to reinforce key concepts. I, I think it just takes the sting out of things that are a little bit difficult and brings it back to the basics. Again, I think we work with some really intelligent, wonderful people at our organization. And I think sometimes it gets a little grandiose and it's like, it it really is just like the outcomes razor thing. The shortest path is typically the right one. Let's just bring it back to some really simple key concepts. And I also think it lightens the conversation and you can add some humor. Yeah. And it just, it just takes everybody back to just, just, we're all people just trying to do the best that we can. Yeah. I like that. I like that. And I think when we were talking about this, when we were talking about like metaphors or analogies, if you share with me, maybe how the work, if there's an analogy between like the current 
ask and maybe how the work was affected in another project that I did that might help me to understand the importance or the impact or something like that even I think that's I think that's killer too I think when we've been successful in other places and we can say this action is going to affect us in the same manner I think that's kind of neat so I like that one that too. gets your buy-in that gets my buy-in that gets my buy-in and the third one does too which is humanizing the data I love that like it, it helps to um, Harvard Business Review, again, in their wonderful sponsor. article where we got this from. Sponsor, sponsor. Um, they said to humanize the data to create value around what's happening in the situation. And, and we, I love in our organization, we know how to tell a story. We, that is one thing we do really, really well. And I think anytime you can take the data points and really talk about the people behind those data points and how they're being affected by things, that that's a, a surefire, stellar communication. So thanks for that. Wonderful Hot tip for budget piece. season as Ooh, we're coming yes. up on it. I'm always telling my team, what's the story you want to tell? Oh, yeah. All they see is the data. So you have to come with the story. Yep. What is it that you want your data to show? What are you advocating for? And then that kind of puts everything back in perspective. So, so true. So, so true. Make mission your mantra to align teams. Love that. And that is, yeah. Values, mission, I think any of that. And it really does, even if you're, we could take it all full circle and go back to communication. Let's say you're giving feedback to one of your team members about communication that they sent out or they were latent on or something. If one of your values and your mission of your team is to make other departments jobs easier, that's out of alignment. Absolutely. Right? So it's, it's feedback in that sense, but it's also just come back again, back to the basics. What are we here for? We're here to make everyone's job easier so that we can serve individuals in Southern California. So I think anytime you can tie it back to the the mission or the values, you're generally people buy in. 100% agree. I think that's probably the most important one. That should move to like number one. I think that's just my opinion. Just my opinion. <laughs> Did we have anything else for our research roundup or was that it for today? I think that may be it for today. Written communication, keep it concise and simple. Use metaphors and analogies, especially those sticky metaphors when you can. Humanize the data to create value and tell the story. And then make mission your mantra to align with teams so always taking it back to the mission and values which again i think that should move up to number one that was like amazing. and what should people do if they're waiting for an email from you if they're waiting for an email <laughs> from me personally oh reach out via the team's chat tell me tell oh. me this is i i need you let's do this because you know, I'm. That's what I'm mostly guilty of. Is I I do read the emails. I get through the emails, and and they they are important to me. But the most important thing is that person that I am humanly contacting. That you know is on the other end saying, "I need you right now." And then I drop everything and I just go to that. So fault, fault. I got to find balance. That's good. That's good. Chat, chat me up. I always love a good Teams chat. Chatter up. Okay. <laughs> Duly noted. <laughs> Find us wherever you listen to podcasts and please visit our website for resources at theproject-biglove.com. Be sure to like, share, rate, and leave a positive review. And if you don't have anything positive, no worries. You can skip that part. 
As always, questions and stories to share are welcome at theproject.biglove at gmail.com. Now for our legal disclaimer from Dr. Johnston. Best practice for change management is to be sure all parties are informed. Please be sure you discuss with your leaders or supervisors any ideas from our podcast today that you might like to use in your organization before implementing.